can't really sing. <laughs> la 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 Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. The Sports Blog New York podcast is on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, as well as Google Play. All you have to do is simply search Sports Blog New York podcast or go to sportsblognewyork.com. Click on the podcast tab, and any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. Now, we haven't been on the podcast in a couple days, so we apologize about the delay. But obviously, we had Mother's Day on this past Sunday. So we got uh, some other things to do. To do, you know, Everyone has some family stuff going on. Uh, I know I, as well, had some other family stuff as well. So we're back. It's Wednesday. The NBA draft lottery happened last night. This is actually it's Tuesday night right now. My guests and I just watched the draft lottery unfold, so we are going to give the reaction to that. We're also going to get into a crazy, but maybe not so crazy idea about Kristaps Porzingis. Also touch on some Mets and Yankee stuff, and then last but not least, we're going to give a mini mock, a little bit of a big board, talk about some of the players in this draft and where they may end up in just a month or so. But again, my name is Peter Kennedy. I'm going to introduce my guest in just a second, but before I do that, just want to remind you. If you like the Sports Blog New York podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes, the podcast app on your iPhone, or if you're an Android fella, on your Google Play app as well. So thank you for tuning in as always, but without further ado, I'm going to welcome in my guest who just sat beside me watching the draft lottery unfold, seeing where the Knicks will pick in this year's upcoming draft. My man, Phil DeMeo, in the house, me and you today. Finally, just me and you, first time ever. I know, it's... It's been a long time. A big, uh, big Mike and uh, Mando, right? That's what it is. That's what we're going for? I mean, we, we always have three guys. Sometimes we got four guys, and we love having all the interaction. But now, this is our show. It's you and me. It's our time to shine. And you love this. You've been looking forward to this night for a while, just to see where everyone's picking. I think maybe two months ago, we did a kind of an early NFL draft you were, uh, podcast. You were already looking forward to this night. And I was already thinking about the NBA draft. Well, I mean, this night was big in its history, and it didn't go... No good breaks went our way at all. Not are, you a, su- are you surprised? This is my surprise face. Not a good... No, no reaction. Not a good uh, drop of the ping pong ball for the Knicks tonight, but as one of my friends uh, tweeted at me earlier, and I'll pull up his, his, his actual Twitter handle to give him a shout-out, proper shout-out, he said, at least it's an eight-player draft, which is kind of the word going around. There's eight really quality players in this draft. Yep. And if you did not know already, the Knicks ended up falling from their projected seventh spot to the eighth spot in the draft, it feels extremely likely that the Knicks fell, though, no? Um, yeah, because all season, like, oh, we'll have a top five pick, top, top six pick, lose a coin to us, win the last game of the season, so that's already a bad, bad juju going our way. Tonight, you know, the final nail in the coffin, we don't get seven, we get eight. Yeah. Like you said, it's an eight person deep draft, but, you know, you like to bump up a little more to get yeah. that player you really want. So, like, maybe like yeah, Aaron Fox, we want him. He's not going to be there at eight. So now we have to kind of not settle, but understand we have to put our, our eyes on a new prize. Right. And as uh, we got, I got into on Twitter as, as the results came out, and that first, that first tweet I mentioned was from a, a friend of mine, at Vindichico9. He said, thank God it's an eight-player draft. But another, another uh, Twitter friend of mine said, at eight, the best player available is the way to go. I was hoping for Fox, just kind of how I felt. Yep. But – like he said, and that is uh, at <laughs> underscore Trebla21. He said, best player available, and I think that's how Knicks fans have to feel. Have to take a play out of the Giants, the New York Football Giants playbook. And when it's your pick on the board, you take the best talent there. Well, you know, that should have been played no matter what. Yeah. Now, but now you're not going to have to decide between one or two. Whoever's there is going to be there for you. So now we only have one building block for the English, which you know, maybe we'll get to in a little bit. But we only have one big future block on our roster. So I'm just going to build him around him and just get. Best guard, center, forward, whoever's available, that's who we have to pick. And I'm going to – I'll throw this out there as well. It really hurts to fall one spot because one spot to Knicks fans in the NBA draft can feel like more than one spot. Because if you remember that one dreaded draft when Steph Curry went off the board, just one, one measly pick before the Knicks picked, right? And we ended up picking Jordan Hill, mm-hmm. who uh, – I'll say this about Jordan Hill. He's an NBA player, right? That's all he is. He's not on the Knicks anymore. He ain't on the Knicks. He, he's he been on maybe six or seven different teams. I don't even know what team he was on this year, which is a bad thing for him. But he was an NBA player. That's who they ended up drafting at eight. 
And at seven, they missed out on the Hall of Famer. So that's why I think Nick fans get so upset about the one spot. And I'm with you. It hurts. But like one of our other guys said, there's eight good players in this draft. There's eight really good players who seem like can't miss prospects. And And we'll get into that. It's mostly point guards. So hopefully we've been starving for a point guard forever. So hopefully a nice point guard falls in our lap. Now, before we get into who we think the Knicks may end up with or what direction they may go, you, my friend, posted an article on sportsblognewyork.com. And this is Sports Blog New York Podcast, right? So you post an article on there that you wrote earlier about Christoph Porzingis. We got some chatter. And we're getting some feedback on it. Mostly negative, but we got some intelligent responses as well. So before we get into some of the reaction to it, break down what you wrote about. Okay. So I proposed that the Knicks trade Porzingis to the Celtics for now the, the, the guaranteed number one overall pick in this year's draft, as well as next year's unprotected Brooklyn Nets pick. Which will be a top three to five pick again, correct? Yes. So no, I mean, like nine times out of ten, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so my my thinking behind this is that Porzingis, you know, he's been through a lot in the last two years. We've won, we've actually we won thirty one games last year, and we won thirty this year. So we went down a game. Mm-hmm. I think thirty two, thirty one. Yeah, around that. Around that, we went down one game. Um, he saw uh, a franchise legend get carried off in the Garden. He saw his point guard not show up to a game. He sees his president of basketball operations send cryptic tweets, then bash the other star player. And him himself, when he just, nah, I'm not doing exit interview, I'm going back to my home country. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's already some, and plus that hacked quotation mark tweet by yes. the Clippers, which my theory is he was sending a DM to a girl in LA. There's no way, you don't get hacked. If you have a hacked Twitter account, is that what you're doing to a star NBA player? Wait, 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 wait. That. That is possibly the best theory that I've heard about this tweet. Did you think? Did you like? Did you fabricate that one yourself? Because I didn't he, hear anyone say that. He that has that was a DM. He has a he has a very infamous back and forth with Abigail Rachford at Rachford, which was a, um, a very beautiful lady, and I think they were going back and forth at it. It must have just you know slipped from the DM to public tweet. That's my theory. That is a hilarious theory right there. So so you're saying that it's very possible. This actually makes a lot of sense. I haven't heard anyone say this. KP was, you know, sliding in the DMs with a lovely lady. That, I think they, they, they talk. I think that he was courting. Yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah. The, the chick that he knows. What, either way. Mm-hmm. And he just meant to say. You know what I'm talking about? I, uh, I remember that he. This is the I'll girl bring her who, up. You keep talking. That's the girl who he uh, commented on her Instagram. And she commented back something yes. with the. Right. But you know what she looks like? Um, I, I remember from that one picture or two. But yeah. you could pull up a picture and remind me. Uh, so that's a, that's a hilarious theory right there. That KP was actually. Wow. Yeah. No, that's That's what she looks like. Yeah. But yeah, that's a hilarious theory that KP was DMing someone, accidentally sent it out as a real tweet, mm-hmm. a la Draymond Green with his uh, infamous dick pic Snapchat. Yep, and Ray Allen also had one about like texting a girl, and it was like, it was, like 2009, way before Twitter was Twitter, so you could kind of get away with it, but so I think Deadspin has it. But yeah, so for a thing, it's been through a lot with the Knicks. In, the, in, the, in a quick two years, it's been through a lot. The Knicks need building blocks. So now, you trade for Thingus. The Celtics now have Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, maybe Gordon Hayward, Porzingis, and Forford as a starting five. Affordable starting five. I don't know if it beats the Cavs, which I'll bring that point up soon. So that's a affordable starting five. You you trade Fultz and next unknown next year for a proven future All Star Porzingis. Yeah, that is it. And then they're already they're already guard heavy. They have Bradley, they have Smart, they have Thomas. I mean, they have, they're good with guards. Fultz is going to be pretty good in the NBA, but Porzingis is you know. Right. It's poor things. So I'm going to give the reaction side of what you wrote. So I think you wrote a really interesting article, and the reaction we got on Twitter is is mixed. The obvious rapid reaction is, yo, STFU, what the hell is this? Gifts of the eyes like looking at you like, what the hell are you talking about? Yep. But then, you know, I commented on your on your tweet uh, from our, our sports blog Twitter, at SportsBlogNYC, and I wrote, I wish the article was titled, If the Knicks Were to Trade KP, This Is The One, mm-hmm. right? Because Knicks fans can't handle the idea of getting rid of the only hope we have. Kristaps Porzingis is the only thing that Knicks fans across the board feel good about on the entire team. Mm-hmm. Literally, from the ownership to to minus... Except for Ron Baker. Everyone likes Ron Baker, too. So if you go from ownership to the guy whoever's right above Ron Baker on the depth chart, uh-huh. the only person that the Knicks fans really, really love is Kristaps Porzingis. Which is why the rapid reaction of... What the hell are you talking about, Sports Blog New York? Why are you putting this out there? Like, we can't trade Krebsos Porzingis. It makes a lot of sense to me. But then, as you get deeper into the reaction and you get some intelligent response, one of our friends on Twitter said, 
Um, and his name is, is at MJ24 underscore Olive. I'm getting more – oh, that's not the right tweet. I apologize. But basically he said, yeah, I thoroughly read that and a lot of points he made were valid. I would just never forgive them, LOL. So maybe that's how Knicks fans would feel if this trade happened. Mm-hmm. KP to the Celtics, we get a Fultz or whoever we end up picking with this draft pick, and then next year's draft pick from the Nets. Should be a top five pick. Pretty reasonable we trade. Have, we should have a top five pick as well. So now we're getting a number one, a number eight, possibly two number five, maybe one maybe one, one and a four, something like that. So, two and a three, two and a four. Like Those are solid building blocks for any franchise in any sport. So you... So I like start the... Clean slate. Right, you created a real process here. Yeah. And it's sound. And there's a lot it's, of good points on both a, sides. It's not a 45-year, 60-year process like the Philadelphia 76ers. It's a 3 4 we're getting, process. We're cutting that potentially in half. And then we're getting these four players to come up together. A la Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, there's no Durant, there's no Westbrook, there's no Harden. Right. But you got these young players coming up together. It's, uh, it's really interesting. And I think the most interesting part is... The rapid reaction from all Knicks fans is like, no way, that can't happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill myself. Like, that's a terrible thing. I can't be a Knicks fan if they're trading Porzingis. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it from both sides, it is not that crazy. And I think you did a really good job crafting uh, the idea. Thank you. But as a Knicks fan, not as the guy who crafted this idea, <laughs> is this something you would actually want to happen? Yeah. I mean, listen, the, NBA, the Eastern Conference NBA is going to be LeBron James until he retires. So if you want to go head to, head to head with that, you're going to end up like the Toronto Raptors. Solid team going 50 games, stonewalled in the playoffs by LeBron James. But you know what? Do you want that? Or do you want to build for the future post-LeBron James in maybe seven years and we have these four ballers who can play together and really compete for a title but compete in the Eastern Conference? You make a really good point. But I think Knicks fans would be like, they would be the Toronto Raptors right now. I think, no, but you, <laughs> you know I, what I mean? But if you're going to rebuild this, like, would you rather be the Boston Celtics now who are a very, very, very good team. Right. But they're the kind of the minus 700 to win the, the series. And the, the, the Celtics are the home team. They're number one seed in the East. And no one thinks they're going to win. Like, literally nobody thinks the they have ca- a chance. The Cavs are the four seed. A healthy four, four seed. They'll be favorite as any team. Yeah. So I think, I think we have to build the post-LeBron era. You get these four draft picks. And let's rock. And see what comes out of it. It, it could be three out of four busts. Who knows? But at least you know, we're not stuck. With one player who has, you know, who's we don't know what he's and thinking we, right and now. And he may ruin his career. May, like, I must be honest, with you, it's one thing. It's like a one A. I think he's a very. I think he's a top two on a contending team. Yeah, it, it's tough to imagine a world where he becomes the absolute best player on a team like a and carries them to a title. Like a Greek it's, freak. It's kind of yeah. a hard world to live. I mean, to to uh, to, to thought, picture. But it's fun because there's only seven of those in the world. It's true. So like, if, if that, if you could be a number one B two. Plus, we built these players around them. We built a true team, true chemistry. Maybe get a new coach, get a new GM. Carmelo's gone. All right, now we're we're building. That'll be something we can root for. Kind of, kind of like my Yankees on the screen right now. Yeah, these young guys coming together, competing, having fun, and putting some wins on the board. So this is the Sports Block New York podcast. You're hearing a crazy but actually very well thought out idea by one Phil DeMeo, one of the co-founders of sportsblognewyork.com. Also follow us on Twitter at sportblognyc and don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the Sports Blog New York podcast on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app as well as Google Play. Now, if you want to check out the article that Phil wrote, go to our Twitter feed at sportblognyc or go to the website and look for it there. So, one more one quick idea at you. Yeah. What if the combine and lottery were just one night? If the combine and the lottery were one uh, night after like a week after the finals, you mean the lottery and the draft? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, the lottery and the draft are all in one night. That is an interesting point, and I will answer that in one second. But I want to close this KP okay. trade thing real quick for for the listeners here. I, I imagine the Knicks had to decide to trade KP in like 15 minutes. Right, that's <laughs> absurd. So we'll get into that. Before we move on to that, though, I want to say Phil's idea here about trading Kristaps Porzingis is crazy. But if you take your true fanhood out of the equation of being a diehard Knicks fan, which I am trying my best to do right now, being objective, this idea can actually propel the Knicks forward, save the career of Christoph Porzingis, even though he may not be a Knicks. If you love him, let him free. (laughs) If you love him, let him free. And it could be a win-win for both sides with the Knicks having great draft picks in some good, good drafts. 
this year and next year. Look at the Kings. They have number five and number ten now. Right? It's so crazy. It just might work. They're the boogie. Now imagine another two top fin- next year. Yeah. You say, oh, they won that trade. They might have won that trade regardless. The Belgians don't make the playoffs and Boogie leaves. You know what? So, like, uh, it's there. Our other host, Alec Argento, who comes on the podcast a lot for Monday morning episodes, he said night of. Yeah, I remember. He said night of the Kings won that trade. And I didn't hear that really much from anybody else. And I honestly no. thought he was a little crazy. Yep. I thought he just didn't know what the hell he was talking about. He seems to be right at this point. But let's move right. on. So your idea here now. You're an, you're an ideas guy today. I like okay. it. Shout out Big Cat. <laughs> If you got the NBA draft lottery and the NBA draft on the same night, same night, I think it's a phenomenal idea. It's a little crazy. Logistically, it has to work. Logistics would have to get figured out. But imagine in a world where the NBA draft lottery comes down, the Sixers think they're only going to have one pick, right? Which they ended up only getting one. But higher pick, higher pick. Right. They, they ended up getting three. There was a possibility they could get three and two or four and three, depending on where the Kings pick felt. So imagine you're a GM of a team. And you're projected to get three, but it's possible you to get four and three. And the lottery happens. 30 minutes later, you're on the board. Yep. That is absurd, and that is must-watch television. I think the NBA would be hard-pressed not to do something like that soon. I think they would definitely get pushback from owners. Like, hey, the Lakers, they possibly had no pick tonight. So imagine you got Magic Johnson and Dave smiling like old, good old Magic Johnson like we know. I'm going to the number two pick and I'm the number one pick. Envelope has come out. There's no pick for the Lakers. He just stands on national TV for like an hour. There's no pick. Like that would be <laughs> amazing. Oh, wow, I didn't even think about that. Imagine oh. the opposite of not getting a pick. Right. So I said it's possible to get two picks. Imagine you're a team that can either Preparing. have a top three yeah. or nothing. Magic Johnson flies from LA to New York for the NBA. Well, it, it would have happened. No and then he gets what. no pick. But oh, now he's to live with. Now tonight's draft. Now I'm getting no one. I can't even work out something anywhere. But isn't the NBA uh, best at creating these dramatic, over-dramatic, I will say, storylines? Yeah. And this would be one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. It would be a reality show. It would be keeping up with the Kardashians, and it would NBA be style. From the beginning of these guys' careers, out of the gate, they're like filled with these the storylines right out of the gate. Wow. That's a really interesting idea. I think it's possible. Logistically, it would be really challenging. But you see with the NFL draft, and we talked about it, how they care so much about the TV product and creating this big spectacle, this we, big We would have a party tonight. If this was the <laughs> NBA draft lottery, and then 30 minutes later, the draft started. Imagine the Knicks went off tonight. Yeah, and then Markel Fultz is coming off the board. Lonzo Ball is coming off the board. I mean, they're all, half of them are already there. Tonight. Yeah. They're already, I, saw, I saw Fox, I saw, um, what's his name? Fultz. I saw, I saw Josh Jackson, yeah. Jason Tatum. Of course, we didn't see Lonzo Ball, you know, he can't. Be part of anything of the team. No, no, no. He's got to have a. He probably his own TV show tonight. He's got the big baller brand yeah. uh, showcase coming up or something like that. <laughs> Some ridiculous stuff. All right, Sports Blog New York podcast. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. Don't forget subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate every single one of you listeners out there. All right, so let's move on. We're gonna shift, but before we shift, I'm just gonna remind you guys. In a little bit, after we talk about Mets and Yankees, we're gonna break down where we think some of these top prospects might fall, where they fit into the Knicks' eighth pick, and so much more about some of these best players in the draft. But let's move on to some baseball because it is damn baseball season and we're talking about the NBA draft. So our baseball fans are going to be a little upset. But we ain't forgetting about you. Mm-hmm. Even though I would really like to forget about the Mets. Yep, I mean, <laughs> I don't blame it for that. So let's talk about the Yankees first. My friend Alec made a statement. My friend, your friend, all of our friends, host of the Sports Blog New York podcast. He said he's not changing his expectations until the Yankees reach near 20 games above 500. Until they reach that point of no return, playoff or bust, he's being a little skeptical, hoping for the best, expecting the worst. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that train of thought as a Yankees fan? I think 20 games over 500, that would be amazing, but that, that, that shouldn't be like the parameter that you um, judge them on. because They might never ever get there. Only like World Series Cubs teams do that from last year. So are your expectations from day one of the season already changed? Um, yes. So where course. are they at now? I mean, I'm, when we did the preview, I, was all, I picked the lowest out of all four Yankee fans. You did? I said the 81 to 82 games. So where are you at now? I'm at right now. We should be you know, in the mix the whole season. There's no reason to. Not to. We're going to get a um, yeah, a title. We're going to get a first base in Maxine, Greg Bird. If not, I mean, Chris Carter is over my tonight, but Tyler Ross is coming back. So maybe, maybe more stability at the first base position. Um, the pitching is probably you know the biggest question mark right now, which always was from day one. Yankees are both on the bullpen down. So Chapman is hurt now for maybe a month. So now everyone moves up the spot. You get the, the Adam Warren now is not that fix-it guy. Now he becomes the seventh inning guy, which you know he's very, very good. But now it just changes his like 
the whole dynamic. The use of him, yeah. And even, you know, the Batanz is moving back into the closer role, which he's been good in, but he's also had some struggles. He's not in. Chapman. He's not Chapman. Yeah. So, this is my question to you then. But I think this last weekend, it kind of came back to reality. Astros, those, that's the team that you have to compete against. They, did, they competed, but they didn't, they didn't win those games. The Astros can hit. Astros and so can, can hit. the Yankees. They have, but. they have two, one ace at Keuchel. McCullough is a stud at number two. And the, the rest, they could, they could pitch. Right. They throw, they throw strikes, they could pitch. So, now I feel like other than the Astros, like, I'm not afraid of, I mean, I should be afraid of the Red Sox. But they're not the, same, they're not the Red Sox that I know everyone from last year. Or what they expected to yeah. be this year. Mm-hmm. Not yet, at least. The Central, who's there? Indians are darn doing not great, aren't too hot. They're fine. The Royals we're, we're beating right now, which are not uh, not a playoff team. Tigers, like uh, there's no one really in the central. So I think our main uh, competitors are the Astros, the Orioles, and the Red Sox. The hot take: Imagine the Red Sox Yankees Walker game. That would bring the, the rivalry back. Holy hell, yeah! If yeah. Orioles win the division, yeah. Red Sox Yankees uh, Wild Card game, that'd be crazy. So wait, here's my question: So much goes into. I'm much ahead of myself. You're, uh, yeah, of course. Saying, you know, Nothing wrong that with can, that. That could be something. But now, you just got ahead of yourself. We're going to go behind ourselves for a uh-huh. second, right? So much goes into the MLB with expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So the Mets were expected to be a playoff team this year, not looking too hot. Yankees were looking to expected to be a young team with some upside, maybe 500, maybe push for a wild card spot. Probably not. Now we're talking that this should be and a And now we're, they completely flopped. Mm-hmm. So how do you handle, as somebody who expected an 80 to sure. 82 yep. win, win season for the Yankees, to where they're at right now, your expectations have completely changed. Mm-hmm. So how would you feel if they hit this big slump and end up back at 82? Do you feel uh, gen- gentrified because yeah. you got you actually ended up what you expected? Mm-hmm. Or are you let down because you got your expectations higher after the start of the season? I think it's fair to say. I think you got to wait to end of the month. See where they are. They're still tangies with 500. End of May. Because like the Mets did in 2015, like the, the Indians did last year, you need just one big stretch to carry your rest of the season. Yankees play 500, you know, 520, 540 ball. We're going to be right in that hunt. So that 11-game win streak, uh, no, they didn't go 11-game win streak. They didn't, nine-game win streak, eight-game eight win streak. Oh, yeah, yeah. They went, like, um, they went, I believe, 18-5 and in and, and this stretch. That will carry you through the season. Like, these, you don't get double the amount of wins for winning September and all Right. You get the same amount of wins now. So if we keep on piling these wins, taking the series, you know, the Astros series, I've been happy with 500. That's it's really not like we the Royals gonna be the Rays. The eight the A's are coming up. Like these are series you just pile on a win and win and win. Right, two out of three, two out of three, maybe a sweep here and there. Yeah. And I totally agree. I, I love we avoid, you know, a five out of six, a four out of six, something like that. So what you're saying is, which is a really good point. And if you think about the Mets in years past, like you said, and the Indians, it's that one stretch, complemented with 500 baseball, that can put you right into the playoffs. And the Yankees have had a really good stretch ready. So. They keep winning two out of three. All right, maybe they lose a series here, lose a series there. Mm-hmm. Two out of three, sweep, two out of three. There is absolutely no reason they're not in the playoffs this year. And Gary Sanchez heating up. He had 3-1 home run tonight. He's been hitting the ball. Now he's showing a little power. Um, Garner's on fire. Of course, the question mark is the pitching. Tanaka gave you the, the game he gave in Fenway Park. A complete game shutout versus Chris Sale. He'll give you a Sunday night when he gets to bomb Yankee Stadium. So you don't know where he's going with that. Pineda's still pitching steady. Severino's still pitching steady. Um, CC's pitching good tonight, but you know he has those games too. When he just last four or five games, he had an ERA. It's really you just don't know where his pitching staff can lead you. So let's take out Tanaka because I think he's the most consistent, obviously, in the Yankee staff. Let's take out CC because obviously he's an older guy. You're gonna take what you can get from him. Let's go to Pineda and Sevi, mm-hmm. two guys who have been performing higher than expectations this year. But up, Which, up to up to their potential. Up to their potential, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But higher than you know realistic expectation. Which guy do you have more confidence in to continue this over the next couple months? That's hard to say because Pinion doesn't have the track record. Severino is young and, again, doesn't have the track record, but just you don't know how young pitchers are going to react. Right. So watching them so far this year, who do you feel more confident in moving forward? I mean, I want I hate to say like, I think Pinion figured it out because... How many times have you said that before? How many times have you said it, yeah. And Severino does have the stuff. He, does, he hits slide, he has the fastball, but he's very young. So if I had to pick... I don't want to drink Pineda, so I would probably go Severino. Well, I'm not superstitious, so I won't tell anybody. I think, what do you think? <laughs> I, I personally like Severino a little better. Yeah. I think his stuff is slightly more consistent. And the, I think you said Pineda doesn't have the track record. I think Pineda has the track record 
and it's just an inconsistent one. Yeah. Severino doesn't even have an inconsistent your track record Your question was who keep, keep on opinion to dying that track record of right. being consistent throughout. Exactly, which is why I would go with Severino. I yeah. think he kind of has more consistent upside, I should say, because who knows when Pineda can have three starts of giving up six runs, seven runs, and seven runs, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's also tough. pending in his contract year, so I think maybe you know maybe a little extra motivated this year. That is the damn good point. That's a, a that's an interesting contract negotiation for any team, the Yankees. But like, what's his worth on the free market? How and how many times have has a guy in a contract year put on their best year of their life and then been average after yep. that? So and that's a day a story for another day. What's he gonna what's he worth in the contract? The Yankees don't obviously don't negotiate contracts extensions till season's end. So right. That would never be real during the season for the Yankees, but what's his value going forward? It's a damn good question. He could be, like you said, number two on a three on a, on a team. Like a starving team like the Angels, like the Mariners, go back to the Mariners, something like that. Like they're gonna want a guy like that on their team. Because you know what? If you Brewers. have any any coach or any GM who's a little bit optimistic, who sees the upside, who sees the field. We, 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 we all see the upside, we all see it. Just can he do it for one out one year by a five year stretch, like I don't know. And don't he's know. been injured on top of all of it. So yeah. that's a hard thing. That's a guy who, if my team ended up ever signing, I would go, oof. Speaking of your team, oof. your team could use him right now. That's damn true. <laughs> Are we gonna, is that a segue? Yeah, just talk way and a half. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to open up, segueing over to the Mets, by first reminding you, Sports Blog New York Podcast, subscribe, rate, review. Phil DeMeo in the house. I'm Pete Kennedy. I don't want to talk about the Mets. It's hard to talk about the Mets. Like, just when you think... They figured it out, and they win three series in a row, two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, or what, three out of four maybe one time they got. Mm-hmm. Just when you feel it. Cespedes has been hurt. All right, we're moving past that. We're, we're fighting. Syndergaard's hurt. Oh, my God. At least we just won a couple series. Harvey doesn't show up to a game. He gets suspended. Oh, my God. At least we won that series. And then on Sunday, and I'm going to use Sunday as the point, even though they lost last I night think, as well. I think I saw many tweets that day, the Mets are finished. Like, this is like, like, I'm, like I'm done with the Mets. Like, that was like... Come on, guys. We got Cespedes hurt, Syndergaard hurt, Harvey off the off the D-bench. Okay. <laughs> DeGrom's on the mound. Thank God we got DeGrom Cabre- on the mound. Cabrera hurt. Cabrera's bang. Well, he's who playing else, a little bit still. Who else hurt? Oh, just got hurt. Oh, Familia. Oh, Familia's on the DL yeah. with blood clots, which is a, a scary thing. So, we got DeGrom on the mound, right? Thank God. The Mets fans can be happy for a day. We get to watch DeGrom on a Sunday. We're going to be playing well. We're looking good. The Mets score some runs. That's what I love to see. The Rams actually not even pitching that great, but hey, the Mets have scored some runs. We got nine runs. We got an eight-run lead. For any team, that should be it's a win. We're feeling no good. Excuse. We're feeling real good. All of a sudden, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Now it's nine-eight in the bottom of the eighth inning, and what do we give up? A three-run home run. Brutal ending to a Sunday the Brewers for a Mets fan. Brewers. Brewers are a fine team. They're Brewers a solid team. Mm-hmm. Three-run home run. I don't even remember who hit it. I'm trying to block it out of my memory. And that was it. And it was so crushing for Mets fans that any ounce of hope that you had over the past week or two, which is not a lot, it is truly not a lot, it went away. It got sucked right away. I'm laughing because I brought the Mets step chart. They posted various starting at third base and shortstop. So I just all you need to know about the depth. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Isn't it? That is funny, and it's especially funny and sad. Because it's on the Mets official website. It's not. <laughs> it's not even like a third party, you know. Yeah. Just kind of like throwing it in there. The Mets official website. Unavailable. Cabrera, Cespedes, Dorno, Lugo, Mats, Familia, Syndergaard, Wright. Can you just read that list again? Cabrera, shorting, starting shortstop. Cespedes, superstar. Dorno, catcher. Lugo, fifth, sixth guy. Mats, fifth guy. Familia, closer. Syndergaard, your ace. David Wright, your captain. All out. All out. All unavailable. All on DLs. Not even like. Maybe I'll go David Day deal. Don't so, know we're coming back. So now the question that I asked you about expectations, I need to ask myself, right? When do I change the expectations for the Mets? I changed them already. Yeah, I think it's they're changed. Say. You know what? I didn't even think they had a really great chance to win the division. Thought they had a chance to win the division, but I thought wild card was as close to being a lock as it was. Now you kind of knew Nationals would be, would be what they were going to be. Oh, absolutely. The Nationals are a good team, they have top a, to bottom. Best one through six in uh, MLB. You I mean, Ryan Zimmerman literally Zimmerman, doesn't Hopper, get out. Murphy. Right now. Um, Rendon. So now. Leaders. Like, name them, they're there. The Mets are at the spot where that run you're talking about with the Yankees, where they win eight in a row, is an absolute necessity for them to get back to real life. And it's, uh, it's hard to imagine. And how can you ever you expect. You got Conforto. 
How can you expect a winning streak like that? The Mets basically need to win an 8 out of 10 or a 10 of 14 or something like some really impressive streak where they gain 6 to 10 games on their record. Without a closer, without a shortstop, without their, without their best player. Yeah. It's gonna. It's hard. It is a complete uphill battle from this point on out. Now I want to ask you as a Yankees fan. When is Terry Collins' time coming to an end? I think no matter what, this season. And assuming the World Series. Or NLCS, like... It's hard to imagine him here again. I mean, from outside, like, I think he plays with the lineup a lot. Like, I feel like he lost, not the locker room, but, like, he never had Matt Harvey. He never had, like, since got to, like, reject the MRI. Like, that, I'm mean, even by thinking that, like, that would never happen to a Yankee. Like, just, just protocol, just leadership. Like, when you need something, you get it. And There's God no, forbid it did, you wouldn't hear about it. Wouldn't hear about it. Like, something has to change. It's been like that for a long time with the Mets. But, Collins, I, I don't like. Technically, I hit with Girardi. Oh, you mean you get rid of Girardi? Like, no, like, no one's out there going to be do, do, do the job Girardi does. Collins, like, who would you off the back of your hand? Like, who are we going to get for that? Like, who? I have no it's idea. It's like NFL where you got college guys coming up. Like, you know, like the hot coordinators. It's very different MLB. Yeah. I, managers. I would I would have no guess as to where the Mets would but you go. Want, you, would, like, you would see it. You could see Very well see a change. I can see a change, but what I can also see, which might not be a good thing, is what have the Mets done in the past couple of years. Coaches. No. Second half of the year, post-All-Star break, all right, maybe they're seven or eight games out of the wild card. I think they were two and games under 500 last year in August, weren't they? Exactly. Yeah. And they pull off some streak. Like, when Cespedes got banged up last year, he came back, the Mets went on a run, all of a sudden it was like, wow, the Mets are going to be a wild card team. But you also had Syndergaard at full strength. You had Harvey going, you had DeGrom going. Oh, absolutely. But... If Terry Collins is still here after the All-Star break, which is possible. So you can see him being canned. I think it's possible he's canned by the All-Star break, which is bizarre to think about, but possible. But say he stays here after the All-Star break. He's still here. Mets go on a little streak, get in the wild card spot, lose or win in the wild card, whatever. They don't make it past the the CS. He might end up staying. And I think that is possibly worst case scenario. Because we may I, have reached that point is it. where the new voice is needed. This is as long as you get with him. But I must say, I think he has the injury card to play with. Like, Absolutely. How can you find me with Syndergaard down here? And I've lost touch with him for 20, 25 games. Like, it's hard to follow your manager over that. But, I mean, the pass is there. Like, Mets fans been been saying Tiger has to go for a while For now. a while. So, what is Sandy Alderson hanging his hat on now, right? He's made some really good moves that I've loved over the past couple of years. But he hangs his hat on a few things. Getting Cespedes, having these young, talented pitchers, mm-hmm. and uh, making the, the simple moves to plug holes in a roster, right? Now think about these moves that Sandy Alderson's hanging his hat on. And let me preface this. I don't want Sandy Alderson to go. I think he's a fine GM. Mm-hmm. These things that he's hanging his hat on are the same things that are backfiring against Terry because of injuries or clubhouse stuff. What if that is Terry's fault? You know, with the pitchers, you could say leaving them in too long or whatever. Maybe not being able to control the clubhouse. But it's hard to really pin it all on a manager in, in the game of baseball. Dildo gate? Dildo gate. <laughs> I have a serious question, though. Like, oh, man. What is the line for Curtis Granderson? How can you still, like, we know Juan Lagares was the best hitter in the world, but he's better than 140. He's a better center fielder than Curtis Granderson. Is it that, like, I don't want to bench my, my veteran guy and show the younger guys, like, if you fail, like, I don't have your back, but, like, Younger, the young guys would be like, if he's doing 140, like, what's he committed to? I agree, and I think that's one of the... It's a very weird dynamic. That's one of the he's, hardest he's probably, things probably He probably is the clubhouse leader right now in that team active. He's probably the truest pro on the team. 100%. Other than maybe David Wright, who doesn't play. So if anyway. you sit him, what message does that send? Does it send, hey, he's not performing, we have to try to win a different way? Or, hey, does it send, you know, I don't, have, I don't trust him, I don't believe in him anymore? Well, I think... It depends on how, how Curtis Granderson takes it. Because if Curtis takes it like a true pro and wears it on the cheek and says, hell, I'm batting 140. I'm not even hitting home runs like I usually do. I deserve to not be in the lineup. If he takes it like that and still comes to the uh, the field every day and puts in his work and inspires these Confortos and Ligarises, then that's a great move. You know who the opposite effect was? Jorge Posada. And then for the Yankee career, I think Girardi batted him like 7th or 8th. And he like flipped out on Girardi. He flipped out. He flipped out. And that's kind of the... The end of Girardi and Posada, and then that was, I think Posada last year. Right. Like, there's two ways to take it. That's absolutely true. And you would expect Posada to be a guy to be realistic with himself and say, maybe, hey, maybe I'm not a five-hitter anymore. Yeah. Maybe I'm an eight-hitter now. Mm-hmm. Is Granderson the guy with enough, you know, 
self-worth and self-pride, whatever you want to call it, to take that lesser role. Yeah. I think he could be, but at the same time, Terry's so true to his his vets. Yeah. So it's tough to see it happening. Uh, yeah, I like to see a little Garris. Even like, you know, it's just in more. Just see what, what can, can't be worse. Well, thank God about this one thing. Michael Conforto has finally yeah. <laughs> learned his spot no matter what. If Cespedes All-star? come... Mm, I'm not going to go there yet, but he's damn close. He's yeah. damn close. But also, somebody if you think about somebody, somebody has to be on the team. Has someone has to be on the team. For I can't name another player. It has to be him, actually. The Grom, eh? And Bruce, eh? The Grom could get a big uh, fan vote, so maybe that. Oh, well, pitchers don't get voted. Oh, true. It's the manager. Good call. And who's the manager? Um, Madden. Very true. Yeah. So wait, Conforto has earned his spot, right? Correct. God Correct. forbid, Cespedes comes back. And Conforto loses a spot in the lineup. No, over Grandison, like, you, can you imagine that happening though? That's a fireable offense. That's a fireable if offense. You, if you lose, like, for a week, that is a goddamn fireable offense. Yeah. If that happens, I'm not on the fire Terry train as much as most Met fans. Yeah. If that happens, if Conforto comes out of that lineup and is healthy at any time in the next whatever years, I'm firing. What is Get the What is the latest assessment? I don't even know. Yeah, I think it's time people. So then that might come to it all. A question about Grandison might be forced upon Terry when Uranus comes back. Well, you, have to, you have to play Conforto, you have to play Cesaris, you have to play Bruce. It's yeah. kind of, it kind of answers his own question. That's true, and that means Conforto has to move to center where he's not completely comfortable, but he better get comfortable. Why won't Cesaris play center field? I feel like he's too lazy. Yeah. He doesn't want to run around that much. Is it crazy if you have three, you have five fielders, but like you can't have a center field on, on the team? It's crazy. We don't really have... Well, Ligaris is the only true center and fielder. He can't, get, he can't get on the field. And he can't get on the field. Oh, my God. It is a brutal world. Does he, even, does he, like, does he pinch in stuff? Does he, yeah, does he, he gets spot starts, though. Okay. I mean, Granderson's been getting some sits as well. Uh, it's not like he's in the lineup every single day, no matter what. But he's in there a lot still. The wrap-up of the Mets. Um, Cabrera, I don't know what Cabrera's situation is, but, like, when would you be okay with bringing up Rosario and moving maybe Reyes to third or Cabrera to third and Reyes to the bench? I have once a, Rosario is up... He's just starting to show us that you can't take that away from him. I have a strong feeling they're going to wait for whatever that, what is that date? June 1st? That, uh, oh, that rule 2, whatever. That Whatever that yeah. rule is where, you know, they're not eligible for more money or whatever, wherever the hell that damn rule is. Uh-huh. That hopefully you guys, all, all the listeners know because I didn't explain it well at all. There's a rule in baseball that if a guy in the minors comes up before a certain date. It's not even that because Brian was, like, something about, um, he, he's, like, send downs, you give enough send downs. Right. Trip, uh, minor league options. There's yeah. there's some rule that the team gets benefited if a guy comes up later. So that date is June 1st, I think. After that date, bring him up. Yeah. Bring him up. Why the hell not? Especially if you're down eight games under 500. Rosario needs to be on this team, hitting major league pitching, playing a major league shortstop, growing with these guys who, you know, some of them will be part of his future. Mm-hmm. Some of them won't. But he needs to be here. Yeah. I agree. That's it. I don't know. I think Mets fans... He's killing the Ryan Leagues. They're saying more than... Like, me, I'm a little more ca- like cautious. So I'm saying, all right, the Mets are going to wait. So just wait until June and bring him up. A lot of Mets fans already are saying... We need a, we need a spark. Where is he? Where yeah. was he last week? Where was he a month ago? Yeah. Bring him in right now. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhere in between probably where I'm falling and where they're falling. But Rosario needs to be here this season. Thanks. Thank you. I was going to say, Clint Frazier, but he's not doing too well. Like maybe like Torres, but the, but the Yankees so, are doing well. Exactly, like we have no need for that. Like keep Torres or Frazier down there for like a while. Give them all year. Yeah, sure. If you don't like, need them, let them grow down there. Let them not get too much pressure on them. Next year's a new year. Come up smooth. With That's the, the luxury of winning. as the downfall of losing. Like, Absolutely. Want some more guys. It's forcing versus letting things happen. Yep. So interesting stuff. Sports Blog New York podcast. Phil DeMeo, Peter Kennedy here. That was our little uh, segment on baseball. We got on to the Yankees. We got on to the Mets. But now it's back to the NBA draft. So turn your Knicks hat on, take it off, throw it in the garbage. Depends how you look at it. But we're back on the NBA draft. But before we do, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the Sports Blog New York podcast on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, as well as Google Play. And especially those ratings and reviews. Because if you like what you've been hearing, hopefully uh, you have, because you know that we enjoy doing this show, please leave a little uh, five-star review, maybe four if you don't like us that much, whatever, up to you. But definitely uh, a written review as well goes a long way in the podcast world, and we appreciate every single listener, no matter where you may be, because this is the Sports Blog New York podcast, but we appreciate listeners from all over. Well, let's get back to the NBA draft. So the Boston Celtics got the one pick, which we know, mm-hmm. which we talked about with, the, crazy. with the KP trade. I don't know they're not going to beat the Cavaliers, but like the team in the Eastern Conference Finals, the number one seed in the East, has the number one pick. The only thing that reminds me of this 
is when the Spurs had David Robinson and he got hurt. Yeah. And they were bad for a year. Ended Duncan. up getting Tim Duncan early in the draft. Or just when the Spurs traded George Hill for Kawhi Leonard, like right. Like, but at least that was like that was like a fifteen pick yeah. at least. Yeah. Uh, Tim Duncan was like a top pick, high pick, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was number one. So this is the closest thing to that. A really talented team, a top four team in the league. Note, like if you're putting pure stats on it, top four team across the whole NBA is going to get arguably the best player in the with draft. a great with the best one of the best coaches, which in the league. A, with a great young coach. So the Boston Celtics are the envy of the whole NBA right now. Thank except you. Except for thank you, Billy King. Thank you, right, Billy King. Exactly. Except for the Warriors and the Caps, because obviously they're the two best teams by yep. far. The other interesting thing is to note before we get into some players, the Lakers ended up getting a pick. They're at two. Sixers didn't get two picks. They got one. They're at three. And then everything else was pretty much chalk, except for the fact... Well, Philly jumped uh, Phoenix. Oh, true. Philly jumped Phoenix, so Phoenix is four. The Kings end up with two top ten picks, number five and number ten. Phoenix fell from two to five. Two to four. So, tough night for Phoenix. Big night for the Lakers, uh, Sixers, and Kings. Now, let's talk about players. And let's start off at number one. Mm -hmm. So, the debate now is Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball... Josh Jackson. I think Alonzo Ball is not going to go to the Celtics no matter what. I think between Jackson and Fultz. I tend to agree because I think that Alonzo Ball is not the best player. No. So I don't know how plus, you feel I, about plus it. Plus the sideshow of his father. I feel like the Celtics are a very, very good team right now. Like Thomas, I think Thomas is a star player, but they play as a team. Like if you got a rookie like Alonzo who has like, well, he brings it on himself. It's the me, me, me attitude. To put that in Boston right now, with Brad Stevens and that what they got going there, I think that would be a big mistake. I think he's only Lonzo the balls on their board. See, I actually disagree because these are the three reasons why I think Lonzo Ball would actually work really well in Boston, mm-hmm. though I don't think it's gonna happen. A, you have that set culture, you have history, so you have a really good coach in Brad Stevens, you have a bunch of pros who were just in the Eastern Conference Finals who obviously can inspire a professional culture for a young rookie who obviously has a bigger name than a, who he is as a player we so should, far. We should have. Right. So that's reason number one. There's an established culture in Boston already. Reason number two, possibly the most important, and that's about on-court fit. Yeah. What do the Celtics really need? I mean, obviously they need a big who can really they rebound. a superstar. Or a wing. Yeah. But if you're going to get a guy, because Isaiah Thomas, you know, he gets his assist. He gets his assist. Don't get me wrong. He's a scorer. He's an assassin scorer. Lonzo Ball comes on that team. He is now the true distributor the true point guard. I agree. Because Lonzo Ball's best attributes are not, you know, his, his weird shot, which is still pretty good. It's not his uh, going to the rim and scoring. He has unbelievable court vision. Yep. Put him on the Celtics with a bunch of shooters. Maybe they'll re-sign Kelly Olenek, who just went off the other day. But either way, get some shooters on the Celtics. Get Isaiah Thomas. Get Lonzo Ball. You now have a dynamic playmaker. Gordon Hayward. And Isaiah Thomas, who's a dynamic, dynamic scorer. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great fit. Because Markel Fultz is a scorer. Passer second. They're going to wait that time. He's the best player on the board. But, like, it's always, oh, don't pick what you need. But the Celtics, you know, they're the best team in the East. Like, you can't go by that philosophy now. They have the they luxury of actually picking what they need. Pick what they need. So, they're weird. They can pick Jackson. People think he's a forward. He fits the need for them at three or four. And, you know, they have so many guards. They have their one or two set. And there's Marcus Moore off the bench. It's going to be, you know, you can't, you can't trade down to the NFL. It's not like, it's not like that at all. No, unless so. you're getting Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So wait, I want to talk about Josh Jackson. Okay. So he's. I, I don't know much about him, so maybe you want to explain. Like, I'm not a big college guy. Yeah. Well, one, thing, one thing about Alonzo Ball, we'll get the Lakers like as soon. But I can see, you know, it's been it's very public that his father and him wanted to be a Laker. Yes. I can see him just denying workouts with the Celtics and like I'm going to go to the Lakers. That would be. Like, Kobe did that. That would be a thing that I, I really I can see it. Yeah. I can see it. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be inspired by his father. And I think that is so damn unfortunate. The fact he's that... He's a Cali kid. Like, you know, it's hard. I think him going to L.A., to the Lakers, puts so much more pressure on him. But he, Grant, want, I, he wants that pressure. He wants the spotlight. Does he? Does he want it? I think he does. But if he didn't, he would tell his dad, you know, enough. Would he, though? I, think, I don't I, think he would. I, I think he's afraid of his dad. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think at this point, like in your career and life, like he he's not saying don't do that. You know, he I, goes on. He, he went on um, what's a stupid show on ESPN? First take with his father. Like 
He's and he doing... sat there with a hood on and said three words for every answer. He's doing it. He's doing it. You know what? I think he has more as a personality than we'll even get to know for a couple years because his dad is taking over so much spotlight. I, I said this before. His dad is that stupid dad in the bleachers who yells at the ref, yells at the coach, yells at the players. Everyone resents him and hates him. He was at one point an assistant coach, but the head coach hated him, so he kicked him off the He's seat. that guy in the bleachers <laughs> at the Little League game. He goes, oh, it's not a strike. Put my son in. That's him. Now he's taking him to the NBA. And I don't think he's going to stop. I don't think he's going to stop either, but I think when Lonzo officially makes it into the NBA, which obviously he will, you know, he'll be able to have his own life and personality with his dad's on the side and just lingering, which is a good thing for Lonzo. I really like Lonzo Ball as a player. I really like him as a person. I don't think we get to see him as a person yet. Mm-hmm. So hopefully wherever he goes, which is why I kind of think the Lakers aren't the best fit for him, for me as a fan, I hope he goes to the Lakers. That's a spectacle. That's a yeah. great story. Mm-hmm. But as a fan of Lonzo Ball, I think other situations like Boston could actually be better for him. Or so, Phoenix or Booker. But, that's interesting. So we went, we went Fultz, we went Fultz one, um, Lonzo two. Now Lonzo at two, right? You're going to have Ball... And you put Russell at two now. You know, I saw Jimmy. I saw Paul George Jimmy Kelly the other day. He wasn't shy about the Lakers at all. I think it's almost a set deal. He's gonna be a Laker next after next season. Then they're gonna have Lonzo Ball, Andrew Russell, Paul George, Ingram, Randall, Mozgov. Um, like they're gonna have a nice little squad. Zubats. They'll sign somebody. Like I think that's the future of the Lakers. Magic Johnson. When he calls, you're gonna answer the phone. Which is what we all said about our man Phil, huh? Yeah, well, he's not Magic Johnson. <laughs> Except, no, the problem is Phil doesn't call. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't, he doesn't call. I, uh, I heard a story the other day, uh, the combine. It wasn't, I think he interviewed Fox and somebody else. Yes. Like, there was somebody he interviewed, like, he didn't say one word. So, I got I to gotta shout out another one of our Twitter followers. Uh, someone who threw me a follow the other day, at Exit 6 Sports, gave me a great analogy of a tweet. So, he said, Phil Jackson will end up giving Mel away for pennies. He couldn't sell drugs to a 14-year-old privileged white kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Uh, so, that's, that's a great point about the Lakers <laughs> and Paul George because it's just it's really true that... You looked into you. Good, there's a good chance he will leave. Jimmy Kobe, you're like, did Kobe talk to you yet? He goes, oh, not yet. Like, he's like, he's, he's going to the Lakers. That, that's a good thing. So, we're saying on our little mini mock that we're just, you know, breaking down quickly right here. We're bullshitting. We're going to say Fultz goes to Boston, which I also believe this next guy I'm going to talk about can go to Boston yeah, and steal the number one pick. I agree. But we'll say that for now. You know more than me. Then we got Lonzo Ball probably going to Lakers. The perfect storyline, the perfect yeah. saga, the perfect what they, drama. What they want. Yeah. So let's talk about Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson is a guy who earns comparisons to a Tracy McGrady type. Somebody who is big. Better than Wiggins? Andrew Wiggins type. I think Andrew Wiggins is a good comparison as well. Okay. Um, he has a little bit uh yeah, he has a little problem with his shot, but it's arguably better than Wiggins was. No college kids can shoot. Right. That, that's a problem for everyone. The kid, the college Besides kids like, can shoot. For, like J.J. Redick and uh, Jimmy Fredette, like, or know, Malik Monk, who doesn't have consistent shot either. Like, 18-year-olds can't shoot at a professional level. Just not going to happen. Right. So he has a little hitch in his shot, which is fine. It's something that fine. wouldn't scare me away at all. The guy is an explosive athlete, projects to be a top-notch defender and a top-notch offensive player. And you watched him play in Kansas – he had that instinct to take over as trying to be the best player on the court. So I think he is a really good fit. And I think about the Celtics team, why I think he could steal, steal that number one spot. Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, who I really like. Josh Jackson is a good fit who can help out with rebounding a little bit, help out with scoring a little bit, and be a solid defender. He could fit well in Boston, but obviously he'll fit anywhere he goes. I know we, we're going backwards, but like, now do Lakers pick Fultz or Bull? Jackson if Jackson goes first, uh, that's a damn good question. Imagine, I imagine that Fultz goes to Philly. You know who's the weird one in all this? D'Angelo Russell. I think he's. I think a natural transition to the two would be wouldn't be bad at all. I think he could shoot, he could score. He's good. At, he's good with the ball, but I think he would have no problem scooting over the two. The best. I think he would like that. I think he likes to score a lot more often. I, I, that's not a bad point. I think the best is yet to come with D'Angelo Russell. So we have to. Yeah, see I'm, I'm a works. fan of D'Angelo Russell. So let's keep moving. So now we got. Philly. Philly at three, and that is another interesting one to me. So if Josh Jackson falls there, it, they're going to be hard-pressed not to take him, but they're in need of kind of a point guard, right? Well, we don't know what Ben Simmons is. Is he a point guard? Ben Simmons and, is a point. Is it true? D-League. He's the truest point forward there is. D-League, he showed I can handle the ball. I can pass the ball. I have it. I'm still very high on Ben Simmons. He, uh, he will be the rookie of the year but, if he plays 80 games, but 70 I think, games. I think um, they, could, they could go natural point guard 
and just scoot him over. Just I just put the five best guys in the court. We'll figure it out. You know how you said you're not supposed to pick to need. You're supposed to pick the best player. I think the Sixers can end up picking to need based off of their logjam with their bigs and Dario Saric, who's kind of you know a less athletic Josh Jackson who has other skills. Yeah, I think that's where they can go, Malik Monk. And I don't think Malik Monk's the fourth best player in this draft. No, I think he's actually one dimensional. He's a scorer who who has flashes of good passing. He's a knockdown shooter, athlete in transition, okay small. passer. He's small. He's a shooting guard who's undersized. Maybe he can become a point guard. But you have Ben Simmons on the on the court with the Sixers. You have Embiid. Hopefully he can play. Malik Sarge. Monk. Malik Monk is that knockdown shooter, that spark plug off the bench. I think his best is you know six man extraordinaire early on in his career. If he's a starter. Mm, he's going to get exposed on defense. Mm-hmm. But he might get a bump up in this draft because the Sixers will pick to need and not to best player. All right, so we in this scenario, is Jackson still on the board? Josh Jackson's off the board already. I'm saying mm-hmm. one, two, three in no which order. Fultz, Ball, Jackson, guaranteed. Those are the top three players okay. in this draft. Okay. So um, what about Tatum? What's your... What's your best fit for Tatum? I'm not as high on Tatum as most people are. I know Joe Calabrese, who comes on the podcast with us a bunch, is really high on Jason Tatum. He's high on and he loves Isaac. I think Jason Tatum projects as, an, like, his floor is high. He will be an NBA player for 15 years, 10, yeah. 15 years. He will be a solid player. Maybe he'll make an all-star game or two later on in his career. I don't project him as a star. I think he's an okay shooter. I think his athleticism is not transcendent. He doesn't have anything to me that transcends the game, and I think he's a gen- generation behind. Okay. He he reminds me when I watch him play, he moves like mellow. Obviously, like a young mellow. I'm not talking about a mellow now. Yeah. Athletic, not crazy athletic, good touch, decent shot. Doesn't exactly translate to today's NBA. He needs to improve with his three, and he needs to improve with his D to become a true NBA starter. Otherwise, he's going to be just a solid pick. I'm trying to think about like can't a, go wrong with I'm trying Jason to think Tatum. Of comparison. I, I, I didn't read that. I, like Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is a good comparison. Paul I think the Hall of Famer, but Paul that's Pierce not a play. is the upside. Uh, Paul Pierce and is the upside. I think Danny Granger, who is another one uh, that they're that I've seen, is a realistic one. Mm-hmm. And Danny Granger is a guy who, you know, even besides his injuries, got kind of phased out of the NBA based off of his not that dynamic of skill set. Yeah. So I'm not that high on, on Jason mm-hmm. Tatum. So. My favorite player, that I mean, favorite, like, I thought we could get him player, is De'Aaron Fox. Yes. I would love him on the Knicks. I don't think he's going to go past, um, maybe this draft order right now. I don't think he's going to go past Sacramento or, or Orlando. I, I mean, abs- Orlando has a point, has pain, but I can see, you know, Sacramento needs that point guard. I absolutely agree, and it hurts because since I've watched a lot of Kentucky last year, I fell in love with De'Aaron Fox. Fell in love with his drive. With his passion, his quickness, the dude moves. And the dude controlled Kentucky's entire team in their biggest games. Mm -hmm. Malik Monk got more hype. But by the end of the year, I think there were a lot of NBA guys out there saying, you know what, I think Darren Fox projects as a better NBA player. And I think it's clear that he's going to be a better NBA player, especially in the early part of his career. If Monk translates to a point guard, maybe he could be great. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Darren Fox has all the tools you want in a point guard. Other than a knockdown jump shot, which hopefully can come with time. Speed, athleticism, defense, passing, Darren Fox, great across the board. Mm-hmm. He's going to be uh, the floor, very high, ceiling, very high, big on Darren Fox. I know they just picked Gunn. Like, can you see him go to the Timberwolves at seven? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, anyway, right? I don't, I don't think that's as likely. I think, I think he, Sacramento. If, if he gets to seven, Knicks have a good chance to get him at eight. Yeah, but I think Sacramento, Orlando, possibly Phoenix, but more likely five six Sacramento, Orlando. Mm-hmm. They'll take the Iron Fox. Um, I say let's go right to the Knicks. But I think Monk to Timberwolves is also a possibility. Monk to Timberwolves they, they, they possibility. Have, they're done. They have Wiggins. They have talent. They kind of need that shooter. They maybe Monk's a very possibility at seven. Another possibility to Minnesota. So another guy coming off the board for the Knicks, Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, I think Jonathan Isaac is a guy who you look at him. I I only got one him on the Knicks. I think uh, I, I think he's a think a good. Three and D player, who maybe not he's not gonna score twenty points a game. No, but like we need that guy. So I don't think Isaac. We I, need, I think Isaac's a career. I don't think he's 
fits what the Knicks actually like desperately need. That's a great point. We need Jonathan Isaac in two years. Yeah, no, we that, don't that's need, a better point. We yeah. don't need Jonathan Isaac yeah. this year. Yeah. We need him in two or three years when we have a point guard and we have a star. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> without a point guard, or without well, if you're calling KP a star, we got one. But without a point guard, Jonathan Isaac ain't doing that much for us, and our star ain't doing that much for us. Mm-hmm. So we need that PG. We need to, like if Jonathan Isaac was in the draft next year, I want him. Yeah. If we get a point guard now, mm-hmm. so that's where I sit with Jonathan Isaac. I think he's a good fit with Minnesota. Zach Levine, yeah. Ricky Rubio still yeah. there. Chris Dunn's still there. You got Wiggins, who's that three? Jonathan Isaac, you know he is kind of just fits. He's too small to be a four right now, yeah. like physically, but yeah. he can be a four he with just, the length. He just fits in that team. Right. Monk or Isaac go to the Wolves. So now we're at the point well, where we're, Magic. We're, I have no idea. We're all waiting. <laughs> For the Knicks, right? I think the Magic don't idea what they're doing. Oh, I mean, the Magic posted their, their plan on Twitter. They probably posted their center. They'll probably draft. So we made it to the eighth pick. And this is where we'll pretty much end off. We'll mention some other guys. But yeah. we're going to we're gonna end it with the Knicks here, more or less. So we got Fultz, Jackson, Ball, Monk, Tatum, Isaac, Fox, all gone. Very likely for all seven of those guys to be gone. Like we said, it's the eighth person draft. So I think this goes down to two players, maybe three. That is Smith, Frank Nicolina. That, that sounds good to me. And Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markkinen's out for the Knicks. He's not the Knicks pick. If the Knicks pick Laurie Markkinen, bad move. I love the guy. He is another guy who the Knicks would need in a next couple year. years. Next year, yeah. We need him with a point guard. We don't need him and Porzingis standing next to each other getting lost on defense. Mm-hmm. So I'm ruling him out. Mm-hmm. That leaves us a Dennis Smith and Frank Nicolina. So what I've seen and read that Dennis Smith is more your go-to scoring point guard. Like a um now not a Westbrook but that type of type of type of play, like a Steve Francis, a Marbury, um name that scoring point guard. Oh, uh, well, I mean you said Westbrook already. Uh, I was thinking about something else. I was I'm sorry uh, about that. Or Nicolina, <laughs> maybe that, that classic Mike Conley. Um, yes. Not Chris, like just distributor, but can score. He's young. Just the very when you bring out a French guy. To be all, you know, I trust Phil Jackson with European guys, all that bull. Well, I mean, because he's right, but like, this is high stakes pick. This isn't Hernan Gomez. This isn't Chris Stapleton in your lap. Right. This is, you know, this, this, this is this, a, a career defining pick Phil Jackson as a general manager. This is a make or break pick. That is exactly correct. What you just said right there is the most important thing. This right here can save Phil Jackson as the Knicks president. Save, save his face. It and could he, save everything yeah. that he's done negatively to himself. Over the past three years, he can save it with this pick right here. He's like, hey, I, I hit on two draft picks. He hit on two draft picks, and if they become cornerstones, yeah. if you see Dennis Smith or Frank Nikilia and Chris Porzingis with Ron Gomez in the playoffs in two years or in three years, you're going to say, well, oh, maybe Phil Jackson didn't do that bad. Yeah. He made us miserable for three years, but at the long run, he gave us some good players. And, and that depends on what we get for Kamal Anthony. And that's I think mean, that, that will be his, you know, what the most negative thing we'll get from him, like, he just hurt Carmelo's traded value and everything we had. So we'll wrap it up with the Knicks. But where do you? What's your guys say? Who do you? Who do you want? All right, I don't know yet. I'm gonna be blunt. I don't know who I want yet. Dennis that's, Smith or Frank Nikilian. That's fine. But this is what I'm gonna say about how Knicks fans should feel about this. We said it's an eight-person draft. You know, that's kind of just like a random number we threw out there with some good prospects. I think it's ten. I think it's ten-person draft. Sure, because yeah, obviously there's guys in the 15-20s who end up being good. We're at a point with the eighth pick. There is a really strong chance Smith, Nikinlia, Fox, one of those three guys on the board, or Monk, right? Who, depending on what happens on draft night. Nick fans, feel okay. We would have preferred seven, but eight should and most likely will leave us with a point guard that we can hang our hat on. It gets you what you wanted all along. Who I wanted all along? Okay, you know, it, just, it gets you a player, a point guard that we wanted since... October. Exactly. That point guard that we've been searching for, we're going to have a, a, a swing. Choice. We're going to have a swing at a couple guys. Not maybe our top guy, maybe not our second guy, depending on how you rank them. Hopefully. You know, drafts could get crazy, but you put, we're saying we're sticking to the board, sticking to who's best, these two or three. I don't think Fox will be there. I don't think you think he'll be there either. Yes. It's these guys, these two will be here. If you told me in the beginning of the year, Monk, Fox, Smith, Nikilnia, Knicks will end up with one of them, I'll say, all right. I'll take my chances. Yeah. All four of those guys project as NBA players. We, we would have been talking about these four or five guys if they had the fifth pick. Yes. So, you know, is that the worst case? It's just, it's just funny that the Knicks lost, uh, went down a pick and could have five. But, no, eight, we're going to – our choice is there for us. 
like it's kind of like the Jets pick with Jamal Adams. Like, right, you can't mess that up. He's the guy. Now, and even if he ends up being a bust, he was the surefire. And, and pick. no one, no you one can't gonna, deny it. And no one's gonna oh, should have picked him. No, right. Now, everyone's screaming Adams. And we'd be screaming Smith or if it's just Smith or French dude. Whoever's gonna be there, right? So I'm gonna give a quick synopsis on Dennis Smith, and then a quick synopsis on what I think about Frank McKinley, uh-huh. and then we'll you know maybe mention a couple other names, and we'll uh, call it a day. Yeah. Dennis Smith is a guy who averaged 18 and six in college. Took over games for NC State in the ACC. In the ACC, led them to a win against Duke, kind of towards a struggle part of Duke's career. I mean, Duke's seasons last year. He's an extreme athlete with scoring capabilities from all levels. Doesn't shoot a lot of mid ranges, but can do it near the rim, above the rim, and from behind three. Dennis Smith can make plays. He puts the ball in the hoop. His assists scare me a little bit. Okay. The same thing I say about Westbrook about kind of hawking the ball for too long. Dennis Smith, I saw that in college a little bit. But if he comes into a system where he doesn't have to do everything, it can be a really, really great fit and great growth for Dennis Smith. I think his his floor, like Darren Fox, is pretty high. Not as high as Fox because I think he has like that Francis Marbury letdown. I think I, short, like, Fox reminds you of Schroeder, like a better Schroeder right away. Oh, I love Schroeder. That's, yeah. a great, that's a great comparison. I, mean, I think his, like, his ceiling is like Rondo. Just the way he compares. Well, him. I think Schroeder's ceiling is Rondo's as well. Yeah, but, so. Dennis Smith, I would be extremely happy to have him on the Knicks next year. Dynamic player where he's only going up. He's not going to be worse. He's going to be an NBA caliber point guard for his whole career. Now, and we still have Phil Jackson, so like, if you get one of these guys, you can't just ruin them in the triangle, right? You have to let them... Oh, I'm not talking about yeah, the triangle right now. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can talk about Frank Nikilnia. So this is the problem with the Frank Nikilnia idea. Phil, if he takes Smith over Nikilnia, I don't see him catching much criticism. If he happens to take Nikilnia over Dennis Smith... He gets defended. Yes. If he takes Nikilnia over Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith ends up being great. Nikilnia ends up being eh. Horrible pick. That being said, I think Nikilnia has a decently high floor. His floor is not as high as Dennis Smith's, but his ceiling is right there with him. He catches George Hill, which I think is a little bit of an understatement. It's really tough with these European guys, and this is what I'm going to tell you guys when you're looking at the scouting reports and you're looking at tape on Frank Nikilnia. When you're a young man playing in Europe in the basketball leagues there, you get put on the back burner. When Kristaps Porzingis played in the Europe League, he played 12 minutes a game. He was one of the best. He was the best player on the team. Yep. He didn't play that much. That's how they do it in Europe, right? So when you see that he averaged six points a game, don't worry about it. But when you see that he's 6'5 with a crazy long wingspan who projects as a great point guard defender, that's where you get excited. Offensively, I think he is a solid point guard. He's not even 19 years old yet. He's not going to be better than Dennis Smith offensively. I think he projects to be possibly the best defensive point guard out of any of these point guards in the draft, including Fultz and Ball. So that's how I feel about Frank. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about him, so I, I, I trust your assessment. He's lengthy. He's athletic. He can finish with both hands. He, I haven't seen him shoot too much. You know, yeah. like I said, he doesn't play that much. He averaged six points a game. He projects as a decent NBA point guard with great defensive upside. So we have two point guards who should be available at eight. It's really who you know, what you value better, what Phil values better, values more. So it's gonna be interesting on June twenty second. Where where they go? Gut pick. So we could uh, so we could actually hang our hat on something. When that draft actually happens, who do you think they end up with? I think Smith. I feel like uh, someone like Orlando could fall in love with his tape, and he could be selected at six. So I feel like Smith, if he's there, but don't be surprised, you know, if he ain't. The board goes a little shaky. I'm gonna go. I think. I think we're gonna end up with this Euro team. Yeah, Fra- no, I Frank, know. Frank's gonna be a Nick. Frank Nikinlia. That's my gut. I don't know why. That's just my gut. I would. I would agree with you. All right, so I'm going to throw out a couple names for you guys to keep in mind, and obviously we're going to do more NBA draft stuff as we get closer. Also, we're going to get more into NBA playoffs, which is actually starting to heat up. Um, it's a little advertiser for the finals. All an advertiser for the finals, absolutely. But when that finals get here, we're going to enjoy the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. Some names I'm just going to throw out there to think about. Terrence Ferguson, American kid, played in Australia. Keep that name in mind. A lot of upside, good talent. Justin Jackson, we all know him from UNC. Luke Kennard, going to be a first. Jackson's very good. I, I like Justin Jackson a lot. Luke Kennard's going to be a first-round pick from Duke. Harry Giles, really interesting name. He was hurt, right? He was hurt all year. Didn't get to see him do much for Duke. He was one of the top prospects in this draft. 
before the college season started, he was projected to be a top 10, possibly top 5 pick. He's projected in the 20s right now. Okay. He can make a leap on draft night because teams love upside. And they're seeing this guy from Gonzaga, Zach Collins, and then teams are seeing Harry Giles. And they're going to say, hey, I think I like Giles. I'll take my chances. So keep Harry Giles in your mind as well. And then, uh, obviously, there's some more interesting names. How about the, um, the kid from Kentucky? Which kid? Uh, the forward. Bam Adebayo? Yeah. He, he'll, be, he'll be a fine player. Okay. He's not going to be – he's an okay NBA starter. He's a very good off-the-bench big. Where do, you, where do you think Miami goes? At 14? Yeah. I think, they, I think Jared Allen's actually a good pick for them. People like Justin Patton as well. Jared Allen and Justin, and Justin Patton are guys who you'll see – Maybe in the right situation, they'll start early, early in their career, but they're people who expect to be in the NBA for years to come, and that means something in today's mm-hmm. NBA. They're not going to be starters right away. Justin Patton ain't ready for the NBA to start to be a starter, but off the bench, him and, Je- and uh, Allen, they have talent, and they're going to be on NBA rosters and making differences. They just won't be starters until you know year four or five unless they really, really improve. I think one interesting name, uh, I want to ask you one question. The Kings at 5 of 10, you think you go point guard big guy? Because the marketing might be there if the Mavericks don't pick him. The Mavericks might pick the Dirk, Dirk kind of clone and marketing. So I think. To, 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 what do the Kings do at 5 and 10? I think 5 and 10 is really interesting. You know, you got. If Monk ends up to, to 5 or Fox is at 5, I think Kings go Monk or Fox. Possibly Tatum, but I don't see it. I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's the right fit. Mm-hmm. And then at 10, if marketing's there. Marketing could be the guy, but also the Kings are a little weird. They like these upside guys. Yeah. The Kings are prospects to jump for Harry Giles. Yeah, that's good. Good pick. But I think yeah, I think Cole, Mar- yeah, Cole Sanya was a nice, nice center. Which is why I think Markinen would fit better. Macklemore is uh, there as the scoring big. Mm-hmm. As the scoring big. Yeah, I think it's an very interesting scenario for the Kings. All right, three more names for you guys just to keep in your mind moving through this process. Jonathan Gian, right? Another French one. He's another French big guy, seven footer from France. Apparently, he's got a stroke. And can also be seven foot two, so he's a really interesting prospect. Projecting the twenties, a guy who I love from Oklahoma State, almost took down Michigan single handedly in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Jawoon Evans, kind of an interesting decision to come out of the draft. He signed an agent, so he's in it to win it. He's going to be in the twenties, very quality point guard. And uh, last but not least, where is he? I'm just looking for his name. Swanson, remember him, the big dude. Swanigan. Swanigan. Yes. Um, Oh, he's actually not on the list. I just remembered that. I was surprised he wasn't on this list when the ring, I went the ringer, through. The ringer's list. On the ringer, yeah. Tyler Dorsey out of Oregon. Okay. I, I remember him. him. I don't see him. him in the combine a little bit. He's a, who's he, the guard? The big guard? He's a he's guard. A, who's the best player? He, who's uh, the big shot? Oh, um, Bro, I think it was Brooks. Brooks, Brooks. Yeah, Brooks. Tyler Dorsey, I really like from Oregon. Malcolm Brogdon, remember him this yes. year? Uh-huh. Possibly going to be the rookie of the year? No, but yeah. Okay. Possibly, but yeah. He'll be in the discussion. Tyler Dorsey. Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon wasn't a true point guard in college. Came into the NBA, was calm, cool, collected, did everything he needed for the team, became a point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. Tyler Dorsey, very similar thing. Calm, cool, collected, can shoot a little bit, plays the game the right way, can can actually turn into a point guard at 6'4", 6'5", in the NBA in the next level as a second-round pick. Interesting stuff. Yep. I'm, I mean, you know your stuff. I feel like you really haven't – you've been looking at this for a while now, but now you're going to start digging – Oh, I'm gonna start digging. This is the I've only scratched the surface on a lot of these prospects, so I'm very excited to uh, get more into it. But well, I got a, about a month, about five weeks, so it's, it's, it's quicker than the NFL. Yeah, I'm gonna say this. Which I love. I love how right at the finals, like against the week of or week, next week, like the draft is here. Right. Which like, and I also like how the draft is before free agency. I think the NFL should adopt that as well. That is interesting. We should talk about that yeah. upcoming episode. Yes. Of the Sports Blog New York Podcast. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends. Right. Right. Tell your friends. Porzingis going to the Celtics. Tell your friends. (laughs) So hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. We went a little long because I get fired up about the NBA draft. But hopefully you enjoyed. Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm Phil DeMeo. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and have a good day.